Misty here. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of Marketing Sweats. You know, being a leader is tough. Being a female leader at a heavy industry brand is even tougher. So this season, I'm celebrating the women who make them go. Thanks so much for joining me. Today, I'm chatting with Leanne Skuse. Leanne started her career at River City Construction as an estimating intern over 17 years ago. Her passion for the industry and love for her community led her to where she is today as the president of the organization. She is a key leader and strong advocate for careers in the construction industry, and I'm excited to have a chance to sit down with her and talk about all her experiences leading large-scale commercial construction projects. So let's get to it. Okay, today we are here with Leanne Skuse. She is the president of River City Construction, and Leanne and I have become good friends in the community. We knew of each other for years, but we have just started working together more closely. So welcome, Leanne. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here, and I echo those same sentiments. Heard so much about you through the years, and so excited that we've developed that close bond. So thank you. Awesome. Absolutely. Okay. So I always start trying to understand a little bit of background about my interviewees. So even though we are getting to know each other on a professional level, I don't know your story. So tell me a little bit about where you're from and maybe how you came up in the world. Sure. So I grew up in a small community just west of here, Canton, Illinois. It's a little farm community. And my parents are actually from the Chicago area. So we were still a little bit of a transplant to this region, even having grown up there my entire life. So my dad was an engineer and the company that he worked for was based out of Chicago. And my mom worked in the insurance industry. So I guess I consider myself one of those kids that really admired my parents' work ethic and, you know, this kind of who I am today and why I am the way I am. Absolutely. Well, I was impressed in looking through your profile that you have a bachelor's in architecture from the University of Miami. So where do you think that interest came from? You know, I would have to say growing up, everything that I did, I was always modeling after my brother, honestly. You know, he was my big brother and I kind of followed him. Whatever he wanted to do, I wanted to do too. So he was going to swim. I wanted to swim. If he was going to play with Legos, I wanted to play with Legos. So, you know, I I really kind of started into, at a very young age, I remember being fascinated with architecture, being fascinated with just Legos, building whatever could come to my imagination and trying to figure out how I could accomplish that. So I feel like that's kind of been my person for a very long time from a very young age of just kind of knowing that, you know, maybe it's not architecture specifically, but something in the building world. Interesting. So did you just have the one brother then? I did. Yep. Just one brother. One brother to look up to. All right. And so architecture. And then you went on to get your civil engineering construction degree from Bradley. So you just kept building on that interest, it sounds like. Yeah. So a little bit about the the story when I was in Miami studying architecture, I actually had an internship with one of the largest architectural firms in the area. And as part of their programs, they kind of positioned you throughout their different opportunities within their firms. And so one of the opportunities that I was able to experience one summer was actually being out on a job site, on a construction site. And that is really where my love and passion for the industry started was from that summer and from that experience, because just the excitement and the energy that happens on job sites is just second to none. Like there's really no other career in my mind that really drives that passion for me. 
So through that, that's really when I started recognizing that maybe my passion isn't necessarily for the design end of things, but more so watching a 2D image come to life and getting to experience the skill and the amount of effort that's required to be able to make something like that happen. So from there, I went to Bradley to do my master's degree because I quickly realized that I'm going to need more experience on the schooling side if I uh, want to change careers as quickly as I made up my mind at that point. So wow! imagine that phone call to my parents. <laughs> I know. They were like, you have an architecture degree, but no, but that's awesome. And I think that that's a theme that I've heard in these conversations is that when you kind of start in the dirt, you get a love for it. So what was it specifically at that young age? You know, you, you mentioned the energy, but that drew you to these sort of like heavy industry fields. You know, I think that particular experience it was really neat to be in, in every single job site is the same way. Every day that you go out and you step foot onto a job site, number one, there's change that's happened every day. So you really feel like you're making an impact every single day that you step onto any project. And then also coupled with that, just the different individuals that you run across, the amount of talent that's required from different perspectives and so many diverse perspectives to pull off a successful project. Those were kind of the two components. So the people part, but also just the seeing the actual action take place and, you know, be able to have a measurable of actually seeing what your efforts have happened on a daily basis. So that reminds me for years, you know, Caterpillar's mantra was making progress possible. And I think all of us in these industries really see that change on a daily basis and know that we're making an impact. You mentioned the talent and I know for sure, based on our conversations that you're in this business because of the people. Was there something that happened early in your career, maybe a key leader that influenced you that made you want to grow into this space? I have been very fortunate in my career where I have been surrounded by tremendous leaders, not only within the River City organization, but just even within the community who from a very early stage, you know, very early onset of within my career, took a vested interest in me and recognized that I had this passion and really started throwing opportunities at me at a young age to kind of test that strength. Like how determined am I and or how well do I work with teams or how can I help collaborate or facilitate or remove roadblocks for the teams to be able to accomplish things. And I don't know that would be fair to say that there's one individual that helped progress or a mentor that helped progress. There's handfuls through the years that have just been instrumental in my growth. And, you know, I recognize I wouldn't be where I'm at today had they not been impactful in my life. Well, tell us about your River City journey, because I know you started as an estimating intern. So at what point in your schooling did that happen? And then talk a little bit about your career trajectory throughout your 17 years there. Yes. So when I started at River City, it was as an internship as well. Bradley University was actually my connection point there. River City Construction and Bradley have had a great partnership through the years. And so when I started at River City, I started in estimating because they were looking for talent and in that particular arena. And I, <laughs> so I, I came on board at River City and quickly within like the first six months, and I'm laughing because my teammates would also be laughing at me as well. From a standpoint of, I quickly realized I am not a good estimator. <laughs> and so 
as leaders, we have to recognize what are our strengths and what are our weaknesses. And I wouldn't say that it was necessarily a weakness. It just maybe wasn't a passion of mine. So I transitioned into project management. And I would say that's really where I got my feet wet, per se, as far as understanding truly what's happening. And, and how a project actually comes together and, you know, kind of sequentially what takes place in order to make something successful and the number of team members involved. So in project management, I was leading projects for, oh gosh, probably 10 years or so. And most of those projects were what we call alternative delivery projects. So not necessarily the traditional competitive bid process, but more so as agents and advocates of our clients and helping facilitate those projects where it's more of a relationship-based approach to building versus the traditional competitive bid approach. And I really was able to capitalize on my architectural background in that experience, being able to kind of provide a a more well-rounded collaborative approach in my process with which I was handling project management. And that really segued me into the what we call pre-construction, which was my career prior to or my, my position prior to the role that I'm currently in, and really is what I call my gateway into the leadership into the industry at large. And that experience is really what I would consider my my main trajectory into understanding and meeting key individuals in the industry and progressing my career. That's awesome. So for those of us unfamiliar, what does the pre-construction part of the process look like and why was that your gateway to the next step? So the pre-construction process is really in our industry, I'm going to I'm going to say it is at the concept or an idea of a project and you're collectively working with clients and the design teams and governmental agencies, pretty much everyone that has a hand and touches a project and collectively working together to get it to be a shovel ready project. And so you're working through budgeting processes and scheduling and trying to identify what are those long lead items or blind sides that we're not thinking about and trying to develop a plan for those early on in the process. So really what we've seen in our industry is that pre-con approach is what kind of helps facilitate those successful projects. And the industry has evolved to be more accommodating in that approach through the years because clients are starting to understand and recognize the benefits and the value of putting forth the effort in that pre-planning stage before it gets to be a shovel-ready project. So from that standpoint, I would say the reason why it ended up being successful for me in my career is just the number of individuals that you then are exposed to. You're broadening your network. You're broadening who are those individuals that you're working with on a daily basis versus once you actually have a shovel-ready project, some of those individuals end up dropping out until the completion of the project. So you don't really get to develop those one-on-one relationships as closely. Sure. Well, and I've only had limited exposure to the pre-construction process, but it does take that facilitative and organizing skill, right, to bring all of these different stakeholders together with their expertise. And I bet you were good at that. Very much so. And (laughs) I think every, every project, you recognize how challenging it is to get all of those key stakeholders together and the amount of effort it takes to make a successful project. The number of people collaborating and helping push and move that project forward is pretty phenomenal when you take a step back and think about it. And so rewarding when you're able to look back at where you started, I'm sure. Tell us a little bit about River City as an organization then. For somebody not familiar, talk a little bit about maybe some of the types of projects you work on and some of the different sectors you work in. Sure. So River City Construction, we were founded in 1984. So just a little bit of history there. We have 
always been in the Peoria market, the Peoria area. We actually were kind of born out of another firm that was here locally for many, many years, the Jobston Sons. And I'm not a historian, so I don't know all of the ins and outs of the story, but the story is pretty interesting from a standpoint of those original founders of River City. They came from V. Jobst and a lot of why we do business the way we do business and a lot of our cultural, from our values or our business philosophies, they've been ingrained in our organization for many, many years. And it all started with those original six founders that put everything on the line to start River City back in the 80s when things were not so great economically. So as an organization through the years, you know, one of our first clients was Caterpillar. And within like the first week of River City forming and becoming an actual business entity, and we really started developing that relationship. And they're still one of our key clients today, which we're extremely proud of and appreciative of. So naturally, industrial manufacturing is one of the main markets that we target and operate in, but also, you know, some other arenas that we we operate in are, are healthcare, higher ed. We do a lot of government work for not only the state of Illinois, state of Missouri, but also federal governments with Department of Defense. And so we try and keep a wide array of the diversified portfolio of the different markets that we operate in, just given public and private clients and, and you know, their funding streams and how the economic tides change and we're a very relationships-focused organization. And what I mean by that is when we are pursuing work, a lot of the work that we're pursuing is because we've had a longstanding relationship with our clients and then also with any of our trade partners through the years. And, and that's really what we feel is one of the successful drivers of why River City is where we're at today. Yes. And I have lots of questions for you about that because I know that's a key part of your brand strategy going forward. But I want to back up because you mentioned Kat and you're going on 40 years in business. It sounds like that's very similar to Samantha's story. And you and I have collectively been very involved in our community. I've looked at your little resume. You're a 40 under 40. You were a Women of Influence honoree. You were just recently named 2023 Top Young Professionals by ENR. So what has your involvement in the community and the industry meant to you, especially as you seek to grow your business? Yeah. So I think that's one of the things that River City has always prided ourselves in through the years is we just have always felt that's been our corporate responsibility to give back to those areas that have made us successful. And so, you know, a lot of that has come from the leadership through years and years and years at River City. And one of the the main organizations that we've always supported in, in all of our markets is the United Way. United Way is so extremely impactful for so many organizations but for me personally, from my standpoint, involvement not only in the community, but in my industry, in the construction industry, to try and continue pushing, moving mountains for others to be able to be successful in their careers and in what they're doing. But my personal passion projects are anything that involves helping women and children advancing in, in their health or their education or anything along those lines. That's kind of what I've always seemed to find myself focused on through the years. Well, and I know you're a mom to one son, right? Correct. Yes. Orion. He's eight years old. That's awesome. Yeah. That's he's super crazy. fun. Good. Yeah. So I, I mean, I think that one of the reasons we're doing this season and featuring women in these GER industries is that you have an opportunity to stand out and have a point of view because your experience may be different than the next person you're sitting next to at the table. So talk to me a little bit about what it was like coming up through River City, being on a public stage as a woman in this male-dominated field, getting the sort of exposure in the industry that you did, but then also having to kind of earn your stripes maybe in a little bit different way. What are some experiences that you can reflect on? 
Sure. It's funny because I've always told myself, you know, I don't know anything beyond this. So I don't know what I don't know. Right. So I only know what it's like to be a female in a male dominated industry because I don't have experience in any other sector, which is kind of really cool if you think about it, (laughs) because I have been afforded some opportunities in my career. People have believed in me and helped pull me up and pull me along through the years. And being a female in this, in this industry, of course, I would be lying if there weren't particular situations or, or circumstances that have happened, you know, that all of us collectively go through in our careers where it's caused you to kind of pause and reflect and utilize it as a learning moment or a learning opportunity to either become more resilient or more determined or whatever, whatever that might be that might be fueling that fire to move forward and really excel in whatever it is that you're doing. Our world is very much our network. Who are those individuals that are also working with us on these projects? And, you know, I mentioned the number of people it takes to make a project successful. And through the years, I've always kind of seen myself as more of a facilitator to try and get the teams to collaborate together, to work together, to work towards a common goal. And I've always taken that approach really with, you know, even in my project management days, recognizing that I might be the youngest one on a team. So I need to ask and figure out who are those individuals that are the experts in X, Y, and Z fields. I've never been afraid to ask questions and try and get a better understanding of why things are the way they are. And I think that really helped through the years because it kind of builds a rapport with your team members. You know, you're acknowledging your weaknesses or you're acknowledging that someone else has a strength that you need help with. And I think we all, regardless of what stage of our careers that we're in, we all need that. We need people to be able to lean on to help us and to get the answers. You know, I may not know the answer today, but I'm going to find someone that does and taking that approach. You know, if someone were to ask me that question, I probably would answer that in a very similar way. I've been lucky enough to be surrounded by great female leaders in the advertising industry, but we focus on heavy industry, male-dominated industry. So I often walk into groups of executive-level men, and that's been my approach, Lee, and I ask a lot of fearless questions because that's what I watched my leaders do. And I can imagine that for you, because it's the same for me, the value you add in that equation, because you're asking those questions, someone else in the room has the same question, right? And so then you become a key player that they need at the table because you're driving the conversation forward. Is that true of your experience? I would absolutely say yes. Yes, very much so. You know, when you're the one that's asking the questions, you become that fearless person that's in the room. You know, where the person sitting next to you unintentionally, maybe they don't want to ask the question for fear of whatever that fear is. But very much so. I, I feel like that has really opened doors. You know, it also builds trust and credibility with the team members as well when you're not afraid to admit your weaknesses, as I've said, and recognize the strengths of the other individuals and the team members that are at the table. So do you have a favorite project when you think back that required you to use that skill of facilitation or resiliency or determination to bring everybody together? Favorite project, man, there are so many But, you know, from a personal standpoint, I guess there's a couple of different ways that you can answer that question. As an organization, our purpose as an organization is to enable people to do extraordinary things in work and life. And when you kind of think of that philosophically with the clients that we work with and the types of work that they do, it's extremely humbling to see 
the level and complexity of the projects that our teams work on. Everything from the level of trust that our clients put into us, but then also recognizing through a global pandemic that our industry and what we do is critical to society to continue moving forward. And if that is not something that we should be proud of as an industry, but then also just as an organization, you know, then I don't know what is like, that's pretty crazy to think about the impact that you have on society at large and and the work that you're doing. And from that standpoint, you know, it's hard for me to pick one particular project that was a passion project, but I would have to say it's a local project here that has always been one of my favorites just because of the the different individuals that were involved and the impact that it had on the communities. And that was a Peoria Public Library projects, quite frankly, because there were the number of really strong leaders, a lot of strong female leaders. And that was the first time in my career that I was actually surrounded by other females that were working on a project, not necessarily in the construction world, but working on these particular projects. But, you know, whether that was from the design entity or from the client itself, it was really the first opportunity that I had in my career where I was surrounded by really strong females that were also collectively moving the needle specific to a project. I love that so much. I think that you come up to a point in your career at every stage where you kind of feel like I get it. Okay. I I understand how to run a project. I understand how to run a team. I even understand maybe how to run an organization. But when you get an opportunity to sort of expand outside your world and be influenced by other leaders that challenge you to think systematically in bigger ways that helps you grow. Sounds like that was that kind of project. And you're providing that to me now, Leanne. I have to tell you that because we're working on community stuff together. And it's so cool to have other female peers that you can kind of learn from. Not just limited to female peers, but just across any organization, you know, you just get different perspectives of the challenges that different industries are facing or, you know, different businesses are facing. And in those community organizations, that's really where you get to have your eyes kind of opened wide because it's not a world that you necessarily operate in regularly. But you definitely learn and you can apply those principles back in, in your own world, you know? Sure. So let's talk a little bit about any changes you've seen in the industry, either between the leadership styles of men and women that you've worked with, or obviously this gender diversity, equity, inclusion issue continues to come up in these fields. So what are some of the conversations you guys are having at River City about this? And what are some things that you have seen change or that you uniquely believe as you tackle these topics? So first of all, I do want to say that it's pretty cool that we are having this conversation today because it's actually... Women in Construction Week. This is the 25th year that the National Association for Women in Construction has been celebrating this particular week. And so the fact that we landed on this date to have this conversation was pretty cool when I actually sat back and thought about it. So from that standpoint, when I first started in my career, like I I mentioned, I was actually one of the only females in the central Illinois market that worked for a general contractor. When I started, it's been 18 years ago now at this point. And I was pulling together some information specific to women in construction week, you know, to try and send out a message that, hey, I see progress. I see progress, you know, from my standpoint. And I thought it was a really cool story to share on our one of our upcoming projects that we have that will be happening here soon. Over 60% of the work that is going to be performed from different firms and organizations that are involved on that project and then also on the project spend is going to be performed by entities that are all led by female presidents. How cool is that? 60%. 
compared to 18 years ago when I first started in this industry, it was few and far between to even just find a female in the industry. So I think the construction industry at large has recognized the need for diverse perspectives. I think collectively, we have recognized that diverse perspectives from from all angles, not just females, but, you know, from different populations and age and gender, you name it, the, the diverse perspectives are really what is continuing to push our industry forward. I think one of the challenges that we have currently is a labor shortage. And that is has been happening for quite some time now from a standpoint of the skilled trades are just not something that the high schools are pushing and recognizing that it's still an extreme need in our ecosystem as an industry. And that's probably been one of the biggest opportunities that our organizations and our industry at large has tried to push, which is just awareness around the opportunities that do exist in the construction world. And it's not just whatever that preconceived idea is of what construction entails. You know, there's opportunities in so many different pathways, you know, in in some of these community organizations that we've participated in, the conversation is, okay, you might need a finance person, but there's finance people in construction. There's marketing people in construction. There's carpenters in construction. There's electricians. You know, there's so many avenues that you can take in this world and the awareness that's behind behind it is probably what's been struggling through the years. And I think collectively, a lot of those organizations and the individual businesses have recognized that it is our responsibility to get that awareness out there, what those avenues are, what those opportunities are, because that's the only way that we are going to solve our labor shortage, because we're also competing against all the other industries that are also trying to fix their own labor shortage gaps. And somehow we have to do a better job of showing how cool construction really is. So I know you do. And I, and we want to help you with that. So I definitely want to ask you about your vision for that and where you're taking the company. But before I do, it occurs to me, how did you ultimately become president of the company? I think that's something that's probably on a lot of people's minds. You know, what was your trajectory after you got past that pre-construction phase? Because it is kind of surprising in a good way. (laughs) When I met you to see your face on the front of the the company website. How did that happen? Sure. So we we did go through a leadership transition and we were internally discussing what is the appropriate next steps and who was the, the correct person to kind of lead the charge from there. It was an interesting conversation from a standpoint of, I didn't really even participate in the conversation. <laughs> And from a standpoint of, yes, I participated in the conversation, but my partners recognized the leadership qualities that I bring to the table. And whether or not it was from their standpoint of trying to help push the industry forward, I don't know, but from more so from a standpoint of they recognize the talent that I bring and the ability that I bring to be able to harness and bring the team together. And the fact that I am capable of recognizing how to build a strong team and surrounding myself with the best of the best, or at least trying to surround myself with the best of the best and continuing to forge forward. So you probably have to ask that question to my partners. (laughs) 
<laughs> you know what? I get that because when I became an owner of Symantle and ultimately took the reins, I don't feel like I was in the room either. I think that it was my business partner, Tim, who one day sat me down in a chair and said, hey, we're doing this together. And it was awesome. So I think we're both on the same page about that. But you you ultimately wanted the responsibility and it's been a good journey since. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I, I again, would be lying if I didn't say that I, you know, when it was presented, I didn't pause and have an honest conversation, not only with myself, but with my husband and my family and my family being my child, just to try and think, okay, this is going to change how we operate as a little unit, you know, because unfortunately the work-life balance shifts again with every single role and opportunity that you're presented in your career. And as you know, with two little ones yourself, that can be very trying as a mother to make sure that you're protective of your time outside of work and that you're giving those members of your family the adequate time and and attention that they need to be able to grow and and be good humans in life, you know? I agree. I had the same conversation myself, you know, not only losing time with family, but personal passions too, you know, because you give everything to this company that is your baby. So does your son know that you're the president of River City? What does he think you do? (laughs) So funny story. My son was in kindergarten the year that the Peoria magazine selected me as a woman of influence. And his classmates had a copy of the magazine. (laughs) That was kind of how he started figuring out like, mom kind of has something going on that's a little larger than maybe just going to work, as she says. (laughs) So he does, you know, obviously now he is eight, he'll be nine soon, but he obviously now has a broader understanding of what does that mean to be the president of an organization. Also, just try and keep it with him as I'm mom and I'm always mom. And I hope you're just proud of me, regardless of, of whatever that role is and, you know, not have that as my identity. I love that. So cool. All right. So let's talk a little bit about the future for River City. I do know that you guys have big dreams and aspirations, really building on that core purpose that you have. You've talked about becoming the best contractor in the Midwest. You've talked about building this amazing employment brand where people want to come to work and view construction as a cool place. So tell us just a little bit about those bigger vision conversations and where you want to take the organization. Yeah. So I would say that my partners and I were a bunch of dreamers, <laughs> which is <laughs> funny to thing. say because, because we're all engineering focused and, you know, sometimes the dreaming and the visionary piece goes by the wayside with our world. But I'm very lucky from that standpoint that we have, we have some visionary people that are marching like right alongside me. But from that standpoint, we've always as an organization tried to be the most respected and reputable in our operating areas. You know, that's always been something that we've been striving for. And I was challenged one day by an outside individual. I was like, well, but you've already achieved that. So what's your next big, hairy, audacious goal? And of course we want to be one of the top contractors in the Midwest. And we say that we also want to be a great place to work. We really focus on our teams and the people that surround us because they're the heart and soul of the company and they're the ones that make things happen. And we're very proud of that. We we feel like we have some of the best people in the industry and what they're capable of doing every day just blows my mind and all of our minds, really. But from that standpoint, when we talk about being the top contractor, we're talking about both on the people front and making sure that the organization that we have, that people want to come and be at River City and be part of that top team because we do have a strong team that's 
just focused on performance and excellence and they just love what they do, but they have a lot of fun doing it. And to be surrounded by a group of people that all kind of have that same mantra of grit and having fun is pretty cool. Yeah. So from that standpoint, we kind of set our sights on this big visionary goal of like, okay, how do we keep focusing on that? And how do we continue finding those other people that too want to be part of that team that is just pushing the boundaries and you never know what's going to happen. And I think that's the coolest part of our industry. You just never know. I keep comparing your organization to ours and that it feels like you guys have this ruthless fight to come together and challenge one another in healthy ways and like fierce competitive nature, like you want to win. How has that helped as you think about succession planning for the organization? So many of the brands that I'm speaking to this season maybe have historical legacy that they have to break the mold and, and do things in new ways. So talk a little bit about how you're making sure that you're pulling the history of the company forward while also allowing for that innovation and that succession planning and in, in relationships with your clients? So that's a great question. I think that's one of the things that we constantly are challenging ourselves on is we don't want to lose the culture, the good pieces of the culture of our organization that's made River City who we are through the years and has made us successful. And so we're very diligent and protective of that as we're growing and scaling and trying to find the right people that also make sense and want to be part of that same success story and, and pushing us to the next level. The culture piece is a big piece of it, but then it's also our corporate values. Our corporate values really haven't changed much through the years. And it's pretty cool. We did a poll not too long ago as far as what makes our group tick collectively, not just the leadership group, but like throughout the organization, what are their individual core values as a human? You know, what makes them tick and why are they making the decisions the way they're making the decisions? And what was interesting was of their top five core values, most of them directly related back to River City's core values as an organization. So I thought that was a really cool exercise to go through and to kind of see why are we the way we are and what makes our little tight-knit crew as, as tight-knit as it is. I love that because I think sometimes we forget that culture is not only top-down but bottom-up. And so it sounds like you engaged your whole organization in that exercise and can use it in pushing forward. I am curious, how are you breaking the mold into more technology, digital, online channels in what are historically somewhat of a handshake pencil and paper industries, I know that's challenging for a lot of these kinds of organizations. Very much so, and especially the construction industry in general. I would say we are probably one of the slowest adapters to technology, unfortunately, but there's a tremendous amount of opportunity there. And innovation is actually one of our core values as an organization and not necessarily innovation, just solely focused on technology. It's more so innovation to continuously challenge the status quo what can we be doing better? How can we be doing it faster, safer, more efficiently? And what are the products and tools that we need to be able to provide to our teams to be able to accomplish that? And from that standpoint, I think as an industry, construction has, again, been a slow adapter of, of technology in general. And so we have implemented a new challenge this year to our company at large as far as innovation. We've asked everyone across the board to come up with an idea of what in their daily lives, what are some of those barriers? What are some of those roadblocks, those bottlenecks that they're seeing that you can bring 
to us, to the leadership group that we can start helping solve for you. Because we see ourselves as let's remove the roadblocks, people. We are making their lives more efficient. That's our kind of purpose. And so from from that standpoint, I'm really excited. I don't know have the answers yet because we're just rolling out this challenge. But, you know, maybe ask me a few months to see what some of those responses were. But from that standpoint, I think our industry struggles with recruiting, with trying to get individuals on board. And what are some of those tools that we can be more thoughtful and kind of thinking outside of the box? when it comes to processes like that and how can we utilize social media and and marketing tools and and your world to capitalize and push this industry that a lot of us are just so unfamiliar with because we're all so engineering minded, not necessarily creative minded (laughs) as you and I have talked, you know? So, yeah, no, I think so many of the organizations we're working with are focusing on that organizational design and organizational health, like empowering the front lines to bring ideas and and feedback up. So sounds like you're on that journey, too, which is excellent. I want to ask, so I'm treating these interviews, Leanne, as a little bit of a research project for myself. And you kind of answered this already earlier in the conversation, but I want to ask it again. When you think back to your whole 20 years in industry and being a female leader, Are there two or three things that for you are lessons learned or core beliefs that you feel like are sort of true to how you lead or work today that you think are a direct result of having been one of the only females in the room as you tried to champion very hard things? That's a great question. I would say that as a female in this industry through the years, I think probably one of the biggest mantras I've always held on to has been authenticity and accepting who I am and how I am. And there was some times where I thought, maybe this isn't the right world for me. Maybe this isn't what I should be doing. Maybe this isn't where I should be because I'm too, whatever, I'm too outgoing or I'm too quiet or I'm too, you name it. You know, as females, we question ourselves over and over and over. And I've kind of just resolved to the fact that like, you are who you are, you be who you are, and you be genuine in any conversation that you're in. And people will respect that, regardless of whatever gender or whatever age or whatever experience you have. Because especially in the construction world, we're a people driven industry. And if you can't figure out how to work with people, you're going to fail as an organization. So I, I feel like my success through the years has been maybe a deep understanding of how to, you know, maybe social emotional intelligence, but that authenticity piece has always been one of my key drivers of who I am and the decisions that I make or why I'm making them and the genuine piece of that. You know, a couple other thoughts in regards to this. I would say that I'm a very resilient and determined individual and Stepping into this leadership role has not been easy by any means. We've had many waves, I will call them, (laughs) of challenges. And it's about how you step up, step back up from every time you get knocked down and what you've learned from them and how determined you are, ambitious you are to, to keep moving forward. When you're running a business, you have no other option. You have to keep going forward. You got to. (laughs) Yeah. You really have no other option. And so, you know, I think probably the third thing I, always fall back on. And that is, I like to be amused. I like to laugh. (laughs) I like to have a lot of fun. And I think that's a really important part of life because life is 
tough in general and our industry is tough in general and just being able to take a step back and either laugh at yourself, you know, from your failures or from your successes or whatever, or laugh at a situation or be able to find humor in life really helps some of the dark times or the tough times or challenging times. And so I would say probably those kind of three pieces are are core to me as an individual and how I've kind of navigated my career. Such a great lesson. And I would, you know, resonate with all of those. I do wonder, and this is a question that's come up through the course of these discussions. I think as women, especially in these industries where we have to prove ourselves, we focus a lot on achievement and goal setting and it's hitting the next best milestone, always looking forward. But then we have to balance that with life and our fulfillment and our enoughness, right? Do you have any wisdom in that space where you maybe have given yourself some grace as you've grown through the industry to not always be trying for the next best thing, but sort of just being sort of centered in where you are and enjoying the moment? Hmm. Oh, man. I regularly get told that by my husband. (laughs) I need to take a step back at times and just, you know, be present and be, yes, and happy and, and, and celebrate those moments. And that's such a great reminder to have in front of you that whatever is happening, whatever trajectory you're on in your career, there's going to be times that events come up or situations come up and they never would have happened had it not been associated with wherever that trajectory is, you know, and hopefully they're positive and there there are times when you can sit back and reflect and think it's pretty cool to be involved with whatever that is. I would say in, I've been in this role for almost three years now, there's been so many of those moments and it's sometimes it's hard to remember to take a step back and appreciate those moments because you're just constantly on the the push to keep moving forward and, and, you know, to accomplish those goals and those metrics that we've all set for ourselves as an organization. And It's such a great reminder to keep on the forefront. Not saying I'm great at it. I'm just saying (laughs) I definitely agree. There's an inherent flow to get, you know, excited about the next step. We wouldn't be doing these kinds of roles if we didn't love the thrill of that. But I think especially as women, it's hard to just be okay with being okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll get back to the rest of the interview in just a minute. But first, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Symantle. I happen to know a thing or two about them because I'm one of the owners. Symantle is an industrial consumer marketing firm with an obsessive focus on customer experience. We not only execute killer marketing campaigns, but we help organizations align around goals, audiences, messages, channels, and tactics to create more than campaigns, but programs that align to business strategies. Symantle has 40 years experience crafting positive, engaging customer experiences at every point in the consumer journey. And if you like what you hear on this podcast, head to symantle.com slash blog for more content. You'll find articles, tips and tricks, do-it-yourself tools, webinars, and more to help you keep learning and growing right along with us. My last question here, I always ask, is there something you're struggling with right now that you would want to ask someone else? I call it question for another that you'd love to put out in the universe and maybe get some feedback on. Yeah, that's a great question. You know, man, there's so many questions I struggle with on a daily basis <laughs> to narrow it down to one. I would say something that we've talked about already, but just as our industry at large is just struggling with how do we get that awareness there? How do we get 
construction to be the cool industry that everyone's wanting to run to and, and participate in. And I think from that standpoint, that's probably one of the biggest things that I'm wrestling with just from my perspective, from my organization and my, my role at, at River City Construction. But yeah, but I'm hoping that maybe through our engagement together, you can help me wrestle with that and figure that out. Everybody's struggling with talent attraction right now. But I think sharing stories like you did today, Leanne, where you clearly have had a very successful career in this industry, lots of opportunities. You clearly love it. The passion is spilling out all over. So I think if we can tell our stories, you know, reach a broader network. And I think that's the exact kind of work we're going to do together. So I'm excited to share yours. I'm excited that you came on the show and were willing to tell me a little bit about your background and your story. And I'm excited to share the episode. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate your time today. This has been fun. Well, there you have it. I'm so proud to bring you episodes this season from the hardworking women in leadership and decision-making roles getting it done at Heavy Industry Brands. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget you can check out more episodes of the podcast at our marketingsweats.com website or find us wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe. That's a wrap for today. Keep up the good work, friends, and we'll chat again soon. 